Well, hey, it is uh, my honor to be able to, to speak here today. Man, do you guys love your pastors? Yeah. Paul and Minda, they're awesome, aren't they? Yeah. And the Lloyds. Um, actually, my, my wife, Renee, Renee, you can, yeah, there she is, my, my beautiful wife, Renee. We had the, the uh, privilege of going, how many years ago was it? We went to Rwanda with, what's that? Two summers ago. Two summers ago, we went with Rodney and Nita. Um, we actually went to South Africa first. And then we went to uh, Rwanda with them. But it was really cool because um, at, when we were in South Africa, we were at uh, Paul and Minda's church, Santon City Church. And we were there for the, the service where they actually announced that they were coming here to Detroit. Wow. And that was the first time we met them. We just happened to be there with them, which was awesome. And then uh, they, they moved here, and we, I remember when they first got here, we went out to breakfast with them. We, we went to some of the vision casts that they did, and it, just, it was really cool to, to be a part and, and see them cast the vision of what's going on right now to this day. Isn't that awesome? Like, they, they, they've dreamed about this, and their dreams are coming true, and, and I'm just so, I'm so excited to see what God's doing here through you guys, like right here in the center of Detroit. Isn't that awesome? You know, when we were worshiping, I had this picture of a, of a heart and it beating and, and all these different arteries that the, the blood was flowing through from this, this heart. And I pictured that heartbeat being Detroit, downtown, and the main artery being Woodward going straight up. And, and I really feel like God's doing something here at Border City and that life, remember, blood is life. <laughs> so the life of God and the, the goodness of God and the strength of God flowing up this main artery. And I really believe you guys right here are a catalyst of what is not only happening in Detroit, but I actually read a book about my mom. It, my, Ellie, just raise, raise your hand and, and, and Eric, raise your hand. They're, they're awesome. We also have Meredith and I don't know where Josh went. But anyway, they're, they're, they're cool. They're awesome. They're our family. They're here to, to support us. But uh, my mom would be proud because I read a book about Detroit. And when they were forming the city downtown and, and Woodward, it was actually, they named it Woodward because it was towards the woods. And this main artery of Woodward, I really feel like that, that life and the goodness of God going straight up Woodward, and there's going to be a catalyst of what God's doing here. Isn't that cool? Yeah. God's doing some amazing things. And he has placed some people here right now, you, actually all of us here right now, um, you, each and every one of us, we have a sphere of influence. There, there's, you know, the, I don't know if you ever heard of the seven mountains, spheres of influence, but man, there's the education system, there's business, there's politics, there's entertainment. And I really feel like people are going to be launched. This is, this is a launching pad and people are going to be launching those, those spheres of influence. And one thing that was really big, does anyone here work in the education system at, at any level? Oh, my father-in-law. Awesome. Well, I, I just really feel like some people are going to be launched. Maybe it's, maybe it's my father-in-law. Be launched from here into that education system. Um, you know, even in the public schools, you know, God can do some crazy stuff. Even when we're not allowed to say the word Jesus, do you realize that we're, we're carriers of the Holy Spirit, aren't we? The spirit of life, the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. He's alive in us. And whether you can say the name of Jesus or not, he is with you. And you can, you, can just, you can be in a public school and go up and just say, hey, how you doing? Someone's sick, just, just how you doing? And just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm here for you. Pat your hand on their back. The Bible says believers lay hand on the, hands on the sick and they will recover, right? Yeah. You don't necessarily have to pray for them. Just lay your hands on them. You're anointed. And God can do some crazy stuff just like that. Because God's good, right? Yes. Amen. So I got to say this. I just got to talk about my family real quick. My beautiful wife, Renee, is here with me. And um, we, we have the honor of having all girls. It was actually prophesied over me years ago that I am a ladies' man. In all, the, in all the right ways. In all the right ways, I'm a ladies' man. And you know what? I have to give my father some credit for that, too. Yeah, thanks, Dad. He used to say all the time, we thought when Renee was first pregnant with our first one, Renee was convinced that we were having twin boys. She was convinced. She actually bought twin clothes for this twin boys. And my father-in-law, thanks, Eric, he would, he would look at me and say, nope, you're going to have all girls, all girls. It's been like he started that, and then I have prophecies about being a ladies' man. So I am, I'm very honored. Though. It's, it's, I wouldn't change a thing. He probably said the same thing, though, because he had all girls. He has three girls himself, and uh, he, he knew how good it was. That's why he was speaking that over me, right? <laughs> so, 
Well, awesome. It's really an honor to be here. I love Paul and Minda. I love Rodney and Nita. Man, just a great church here. Mickey, like Mickey said, man, I remember him doing dramas back in our old church and, and me being the prop man, helping him out. And the Opals, you know, I mean, it's just, it's like kind of like a family reunion being here today. So it's really, really cool. So can you guys all, can we all stand real quick? I just want to open up with prayer before we jump in. If you want to raise your hands, you can. Don't feel like you have to, but I just want to invite Holy Spirit right now. Thank you, Father God. Thank you for what you're doing here at Border City. We just welcome you here today, Holy Spirit. Have your way. We lean on you today, Holy Spirit. You speak. We trust in your anointing, not in, in any man's wisdom or any man's speech, but we lean on you, Holy Spirit. Have your way. You speak. You move. You do what you want to do today. Just fill us up. I mean, if you're, if you're hungry, if you're thirsty for more, just ask God right now. Just say, fill me up, God. Fill me up. Fill me up with your love. Fill me up with your goodness. Fill me up with your presence right now. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Overflow, overflow. Overflow in this place. Overflow through us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I'm just going to have you do something bold right now. Just put your hand on the person next to you. And now just release God's goodness over them right now. Uh, we release your goodness right now. Rivers, God. Jesus, you said if we're thirsty, that we would be satisfied and be able to drink of you. But we thank you that the result of that is rivers of living water. So rivers flow right now. Flow right now. Goodness, your goodness, your healing, your power flow in this place right now. Your goodness, God. You're so good. You're so good. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your presence. Thank you, God. Have your way today. Have your way today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God's good, isn't he? Oh, so you guys can have a seat. Man, God's good. I, I, I just love Jesus. Anyone love Jesus? Anyone on fire? Anyone on fire for God? Well, guess what? He's on fire for you. Do you know that? You know he's on fire for you? He's crazy about you. He can't stop thinking about you. I love what Mickey said. You know, and I, I felt, I've, I've fallen for that before. Oh, I just want to see God, God do more. That's awesome to, to want to see the gifts. But man, get to know the gift giver, man. <laughs> get to know the, 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 the guy that was crazy in love with you. He's nuts about you. We could talk about being on fire for God, but he's on fire for you. You know, First John says, we love him because he first loved us. And so many times, Mickey, so many times we're, we're trying to work it up, right? I got to do this and I got to do that. I got to go on this missions trip and I got to go to that prayer meeting and I got I to get on my face and cry out. And that's all good and stuff, but sometimes we fall for the trap of trying to strive and do things rather than just be. Your sons, your daughters, just be. He's your dad. He's crazy about you. Just be. And here's what he says. He says, you love me and you'll grow in passion for me as what? As you experience my love for you. As you experience my goodness. I'm crazy about you. My heart is beating for you. He wants us to encounter his love. Encounter his goodness. And as we encounter his love and experience his love, we grow in love. We grow in, 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 in love for him. You know, Ephesians chapter 3, I don't, have, I don't have it in my notes, but Ephesians chapter 3 says to know the love of God. I won't say no. no. To know the love of God. That word no, look it up later. That word no is not just know about him. It's not just come to church and learn about him. That word no is a deep, deep word. And it's about to feel him, to experience him, to really know him. Right? I, I, when, I, when I talk about knowing, um, I could talk about my, my wife, Renee. I could talk about, you know, I could tell you all about her right now. But until you really experience how much she loves people, I mean, she's got such a heart for people. She loves people. She'll be, she'll be at the, the bedside of people when they're sick and just be there with them, right? I could tell you all about her love, but until you experience that love, you don't really know her love. Another example I, I, I like to give is my, my big brother, Jim. Mickey remembers Jim. But Jim, he's a, he's a beast. He's a beast of a man. He's got these, these hands that are like paws. I mean, they're just like, they're not hands. They just, you, you shake his hand and your hand gets lost in it. You know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, he's just a beast. And I remember my, some of my favorite memories growing up are, are going to, I call him Big Jim. I can't just call him Jim. It's gotta be, you guys probably know Jim. I gotta call him Big Jim because he's a beast. And I loved, I loved growing up and watching this beast of a man play football. I mean, he was, he was in high school, but he was just, he was, he was so strong. 
I mean, just he had all these one-handed catches. He would catch with one hand when he didn't need to catch with one hand. I mean, his hands were just, that, that ball would just get stuck in it. He just, he had amazing hands. But he would just, you guys, do you guys remember Barry Sanders? Anyone remember Barry Sanders? Great football player, right? He had all the juke moves and the spins, and he was awesome, my, my favorite player ever. Jim was not like Barry Sanders. Instead of trying to dodge people, he would look for someone to run over. That's, that's what Jim would do. And, and Big Jim, I'll never forget this. Renee has probably heard this story way too many times. But, but Big Jim, he went out for a tight end dump. Here's a tight end. He goes out for a tight end dump, which is about like a five-yard turnaround. The ball's already there. Tuck it in and run, right? He, he, he goes out for that dump. He catches it. He starts running down the field. And there's two defensive backs coming right at him, like head on. Now, again, Big Jim... He, he's not doing a spin move. <laughs> he's not doing a juke move. He's looking straight at those two guys and going straight at them. So he starts running. I mean, he starts, he's running down the field. I mean, I almost just picture like the smoke coming out of his, out of his mouth as he's running. When I talk about this, I kind of exaggerate a little bit, but, but he's, he's just running and just this anger. He sees these two guys coming at him and he just puts his shoulders down and boom, they just collide, right? And, and you would think that Big Jim would end up on his back. But no, he runs these two guys over. Yeah, you're getting into this. You're liking this, right? He runs these two guys over. They end up on their backs. He runs them over, and he just goes trotting into the end zone. I could tell you all about Big Jim. I have felt that that bowling ball fist hit my face. I mean, he's, he's, we fought. We would play one-on-one tackle football on the street. I don't know what I was thinking. I'm surprised I'm alive today. But we would play one-on-one football on the street, and, and I felt his brute strength. I was in awe of his strength. But I can tell you all about him. I can tell you how, how big and strong he is. But you don't really know Big Jim unless you experience Big Jim, right? And to know the love of God, Ephesians 3, to know the love of God which passes knowledge, which goes beyond knowledge. He wants, like Mickey said, it's about knowing him. It's about knowing his love. He's on fire for you. And when you experience him, guess what? It's natural for you to want more. When you taste and see of his goodness... What happens? You want seconds. You want thirds. You want more. So many times, and I'm not against, I'm not against, you know, people that just have a, a strong sin message and, and just, you know, fire and brimstone. You know, that, that's, some people have that kind of flair, and it's just not me. Because I really feel like when I experience who he is, and I experience what he says over me, and I experience that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus only because of what he did for me, because he's amazing. But when I experience his goodness, you want to know what happens? The more I experience him, the less I want to sin. The more I experience his goodness, the more I want more of him. That's why the Bible says the goodness of God, not the judgment of God, the goodness of God leads men and women to repent. That's right? right? Yeah, that's right. Do you know what, that, know what that word repent means? It means, everyone say re. Re and pent. It means to change your mind. Change your mind. Repent, you know, sometimes we feel like it's, you know, I got to feel guilty. I got to feel shame. I got to just get on my face and cry out for God to repent, you know, repent. But it's really, no, he just wants us to change our mind, to experience him in a way where our mind gets shifted to who he really is, to how he really feels about us. The way I like to put it is think of a penthouse, right? Think of like, uh, my favorite building over here is the Renaissance Center. Um, But, you know, think of being on the top floor. That's the penthouse of that Renaissance Center, right? When you're up there, you have a different view of everything. I mean, you have this bird's eye view. You can see things from a different level. And that's what repentance is. It's re, go back to how God sees you. Go back to the penthouse. Repent. Does that make sense? Go back. How does God see you? Is God mad at you? I don't think he is. Today I I, want to talk about, I I think it's my core message. It's it's my core message because I've, I've, it's funny how the very thing you struggle with and you struggled with growing up is the very thing that God uses. Isn't Isn't that crazy how that works? So identity, just talking about identity of who God is and his love and his goodness and who I am in him. Again, by myself, by ourselves, we're lost, obviously. I mean, we, we, 
I, I don't know what my life would be like right now without, without Jesus at the center of it. But my, my life story is, man, how God has, has, has changed my identity, changed the way I look at myself, looking at myself again through his eyes, the repent back, go back to how he sees me. And I know uh, growing up, I'm, I actually, one of the things that I, I actually kind of hated myself in a lot of ways growing up. Um, you know, I went through a, a divorce at a, a not, I didn't go through a divorce. My, my family went through a divorce at a young age and my mom and dad are awesome. Nothing, you know, I mean, they're, they're amazing. They love Jesus. But as a, a little guy going through that, I was probably five years old, four or five years old. And going through that, it just, it's natural. It's almost natural for a little kid to, to think like, what did I do wrong? Why, why wasn't I good enough? I remember sitting on, on the steps going, you know, we had a colonial and sitting on the steps and just hearing my, my mom and dad scream at each other. And just, I remember just sitting there just thinking about like, what's going on? You know, I was just a little guy. I remember four or five years old, what, you know, the imagination of a little kid. And just, just thinking, just being crushed, like what's, what's going on? What, why are they, why are they doing this? Why don't, why don't we love each other as a family? And I probably wasn't thinking that deep, but you know, but as a kid, you're, you're just thinking like, what's going on? And, and, you know, just going through that, you know, I, I think the enemy got a hold of my self-image at a young age. Uh, as I grew up through elementary school and even junior high school, um, just had, had a speech impediment. And, uh, you know, I'd have to, it was the worst, man. I'd have to go to speech class. And it's just not cool. Like in the middle, I don't know why they did it this way. They could have been a little more secret, but they weren't. They would have you stand up and go out in front of everyone. And, and people say, oh, Len, you're going to speech class, you know. And, and you know, there are certain syllables and words that I would say that, that people couldn't understand. And then people would say, Len, say that again. That's funny. You know, that sounds like a swear word. Say it again. You know, and, and, and they're being funny. And a lot of them were my friends, right? But it just starts messing with your mind. And, yeah. and I actually started talking in a way where I would use, avoid certain sounds, avoid certain syllables. And, and I, w- I remember just looking at myself in the mirror and, and you know, I had freckles all over my face. And um, I just remember looking at myself saying, I, I, hate, I hate the way I look. I hate the way I talk. And that's the exact thing the enemy does. He's a liar. Jesus actually said he's a liar and he's the father of lies. He, and in fact, nothing that comes out of his mouth is true. Nothing that comes out of his mouth. That's what Jesus said. Everything he says is, is a lie. It's, it's jacked up. And I believed a lot of lies growing up. I'm sure we all, we all have, I mean, behind every face there's a story. We all have believed lies in some way. And I believe some lies. And it's funny how God, in, in high school, I just remember, I have to give my youth pastor, Pastor Dave, a lot of credit because he's the one that really started shaping my identity and, and who I was. And he would throw me up on stage. I never wanted to hold a mic. Isn't that funny? I never wanted to hold a mic. And now, you know, God kind of uses me to do that. Uh, it's funny that the enemy knows. He's trying, why, is he, why is he filling us with lies? To keep us from our destiny. To keep us from what God has for us. Each and every one of you, you are destined for greatness. And, and be aware, when certain things pop in your mind, don't believe that every thought is your own. There's lies. There's an enemy who's trying to keep you from your destiny. How does he do it? Through his lies. To get you to believe how do you empower the enemy? You empower the enemy. You empower the liar by believing the lies. That's how we empower him. So my, my youth pastor, is it okay? I'm just kind of sharing from my heart right now. Is that okay? Just sharing some of my experience. Uh, that way you get to know me a little bit too. Um, but he would throw me up and just say, hey, Dan, you're, you're going to do offering tonight. He would throw me up, put me on a mic. And there was probably times it was brutal. I mean, especially at the beginning, I probably was brutal, you know, and, but whatever. He believed in me for some reason and threw me up there. You remember Pastor Dave, right? Um, and, and the very first time I ever gave a message was on a New York missions trip in a prison. <laughs> I, was, I was one of the only people that could go to the prison because I was 18 years old. He throws me up there and he says, Dan, you're going to preach tonight. And I have to give a 15-minute message. I've never done this before. And this is my first time, Pastor Dave, really? You're going to throw me up here in New York City? 
And, uh, but just to see these grown men cry <laughs> and just, it was just the most powerful thing. I, I didn't give, I mean, I don't really remember it that well, but I don't, I don't think I gave some earth shattering message. I just got up there and did what Pastor Dave said to do and God moved. Yeah. Isn't it cool? Like you don't have to perform. Remember, he's on fire for you. He loves you. And he's equipped you. And you can open your mouth and not be perfect, not have the best speech, not say the best message, and God move. You can just, when you, I mean, you might be nervous as heck, but just to go up to someone and say, you know what? can I just pray for you? You're sick. Can I just pray for you? And just go for it. And there might be all kinds of doubts in the back of your mind, but you just go for it. And guess what? Even with the doubt and the fear in the back of your mind, God moves. Why? Because you're leaning on him now. It's no longer about you. Everyone say identity. Do you know who you are? I mean, think about that. Do you really know who you are? There's quite a few, you read a lot of stories in the Bible, and there's, there's a common phrase, that, like in a lot of different stories, and the phrase is, who am I? Who am I? Moses said it. Remember Moses, he was in front, he was in front of that burning bush, right? And, and God says, I'm going to use you, Moses. I'm going to use you to free my people. What does Moses say? Who am I? God, who am I? You know what God's answer to Moses was? Don't worry, I'll be with you. That doesn't answer my question, God. Who am I? <laughs> Don't worry, I'm going to be with you. What's God doing? It's not about you. It's not about me. He's saying, trust me. I got this. You don't have to be perfect. Moses had a speech impediment. He stuttered. And Moses was looking at his weakness when he said, who am I? How can you? God, I, I'm, not, I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. And I love God's response to Moses. I am that I am. God presents himself as who? I am. And every excuse Moses tried to make about his false identity, not his real identity, his false identity, coming up with excuses. I'm not, I don't have good enough speech. I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. What's God's answer? I am. I'm not smart enough, God. I am. My speech is horrible. I don't have good enough speech. How am I going to do this? Don't worry. I'm with you. And I'm your voice, Moses. I'm your voice. I'm your strength. I'm with you. Who am I? Don't worry. I'm with you. Paul says the same thing in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. You guys still with me? Are you okay? In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it says, not about my per- I mean, This is a guy that wrote, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. It's not about, Paul said, it's not about my speech. It's not about my persuasive words. It's not about what I know. It's about you, Holy Spirit. It's about your power and your anointing and your goodness. You're my voice. You're the one I lean on to heal the sick. Right? How many guys, remember Peter? Peter, man, he he had some crazy stories. (laughs) He had some real ups and downs, that guy. But man, when the Holy Spirit came upon him. I mean, people would actually line up in the streets and just want to catch his shadow to get healed. The word was out. God was using Peter and the other disciples, what, to, to bring the kingdom of God to earth. They just wanted to line up. If I could just get in his shadow, I'll get healed. Let me ask you something. Was Peter's shadow magical? Was there anything crazy about Peter's shadow? It wasn't actually his shadow that was healing anyone. People may have thought that. But it was the presence and the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon him that was healing people. That's why I say, even in the public schools where you can't necessarily say Jesus, the name of Jesus, guess what? You're anointed. The Spirit of God is on you, and if he could move through Peter in that way, shouldn't he be moving through us like that today? Right? God's good, isn't he? Romans 8. Let's let's read a few few scriptures. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. If not, don't, don't worry about it. You can look it up later. But Romans 8, I'm just going to read a few, few uh, verses in Romans chapter 8. And I, I just love, I love Romans 8 because it really just screams identity. It screams, God knows who you are. You're made in the image of God, right? Well, you want me to say something a little crazy? You look like Jesus. That's hard to believe, isn't it? You look like Jesus. How could you not? 
You're maidens, you're sons and daughters of God. You're the body of Christ. If Jesus is the head, you're the body. He said, you're one with me. That sounds like you look like him. Are you perfect? No. Am I perfect? No. But he's perfect in our imperfections. He's always there. He's always, even in your worst times, even when you're, you're, you're sinning and doing the worst thing you could imagine, he's still with you because he says, I'm not going anywhere. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. I'm with you. I'm with you. I love you. I'm crazy about you. I believe in you. Romans chapter 8, verse 11 says this. I'm going to read a few. I'm going to skip around here for a second. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. But if the spirit of him who raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. The same spirit. Isn't that pretty crazy? Holy Spirit lives in you. The same spirit that was upon Jesus. He lives in you. He wants out. He's in you, but he wants out because he wants to impact people through you. Verse 14, skip a few, few verses. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons and daughters of God. Who has the Holy Spirit living in them? If you're born again, he's in you. He's in you. And you are led by the Spirit. You are made. It's the most natural thing. We overthink everything, unfortunately. But you hear the voice of God. I've never heard Jesus. I've never heard him talk to me. He does talk to you. You've heard his voice. You've just, you haven't recognized him. That's all. He's in you. He's speaking to you all the time. Holy Spirit's in you, guiding you, directing you. And if you're a son of, or daughter of God, you're led by the Holy Spirit, says right here. You are led. You do hear his voice. You have the mind of Christ. You have the mind. Sometimes his voice sounds like a thought. Like seriously, sometimes, sometimes you feel something in your, you know, I, 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 countless times. I, when I know I'm supposed to pray for someone for healing, I'll feel something in my shoulder or in my back or in my knee or whatever Holy Spirit's trying. His primary language is not English. He uses your thoughts. He uses your feelings. He uses your senses. He does. And the more you step out and just go for it, the more you recognize his voice. That's why it's so important to walk out of the boat, to step out. Because he does speak to you. And you do. You're his sons and daughters. You do know his voice. Maybe you're not recognizing it or him, but he's in you speaking to you every single day. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. You're no longer held in the grip of fear. It's your sons and daughters. Fear will try to attack you, but you don't have to give in to it. One thing I've, I've, I've really learned to do, I was talking to Mickey about this before service, but I've just learned to run at fear. You know, faith is not the opposite. It's not, it's not the, uh, faith is not the absence of fear or the absence of doubt. It's stepping out in the midst of fear and doubt. You just go for it. You go for it. Don't, don't let the liar grip your, your life. You just go for it. When you feel fear, that might be, the, you, you, that might be a good time to step out. For real. <clears throat> but you receive the spirit of adoption. I love this. You, you have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Father, Abba, Father, Daddy. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children of God, then heirs, heirs of God and heirs with Christ. Everyone, everyone do this with me. Just make a, make a circle with your hands. Say, say I'm one. Say, so you are one with Jesus. You're one with him. And the Holy Spirit, this is what's awesome. Holy Spirit loves to talk about Jesus. And he's in you, continually reminding you, even when you do something stupid, even when you flat out sin, when you know you're not supposed to, he's in you, just nudging you a little bit. Hey, remember who you are. You're a son. You're a daughter. He's in you. He's always convincing you of who you are. You ever hear the word Conviction. That word means convince. He's in you to convince you, remind you of who you are. Remember, who are you? You are sons, you are daughters, and Holy Spirit knows who you are, and he's in you convincing you, reminding you of who you are. The Father knows who you are. He believes in you. Holy Spirit in you knows who you are. He's reminding you of who who you are. Verse 19, for the earnest expectation of creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons and daughters of God. Creation itself, that's, I still haven't wrapped my mind around that one. 
But creation itself knows who you are. Holy Spirit knows who you are. Creation knows who you are, and it's actually waiting for the sons and daughters of God to reveal themselves. I think of like Superman. You know how, now how Clark, there's Clark Kent and then there's Superman, right? You know the real person is not Clark Kent. The real person is Superman. And Superman reveals himself by, right? And he goes and saves people. Creation is waiting for the real you. The real you. Who is the real you? The real you is made in the image of God. The real you is a new creation. The old's gone forever. You are made in the image of God. You are to do crazy stuff for the kingdom of God. You bring heaven to earth. That's who you are. You're to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. You're to encourage people, to show people love. The most unlovable person, you can change their life just by showing them the love of God. Are you guys still with me? Yeah. Verse 26, the spirit himself makes intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts of man knows what the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So the Holy Spirit's actually praying for you. Isn't that crazy? He's actually praying what? That you know who you are. That you see who the real you is. You're powerful. You're destined for greatness. You look like Jesus. And Holy Spirit is praying for you to open up your eyes and see who you are. That's, I, I think that's pretty crazy. He's actually praying for us. Verse 34. Who is he who condemns? Who condemns? Does Jesus condemn? Does the Father condemn? Does the Holy Spirit condemn? Paul says, who is it that condemns? Is it Jesus? Is it Christ who died and furthermore is risen? Who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us? Who is the condemner? It's the liar, right? It's the liar, not Jesus. It's not the Father. But I love this. Remember, Holy Spirit makes intercession for you. He's praying for you. Jesus, it says right there, Jesus himself at the right hand of the Father. He's actually praying for you. Father God knows who you are. Jesus knows who you are. The Holy Spirit knows who you are. They're praying that you open up your eyes and see who you really are. The enemy knows who you are. And he's trying to lie to you and keep you from your true identity. Mm, and even, even, even the devil and creation. But God, Holy Spirit, Jesus, they're praying that you open up your eyes and see who you really are. I feel like the only, only ones that are con confused by who we are sometimes is us. God's crazy about you. He loves you. He wants you to see who you really are. Are you guys, are you guys alive? Yes. Good stuff. God's good, isn't he? He's crazy about you. He's in love with you. He can't stop thinking about you. His heart beats really fast when he thinks about you. He does. He loves you so much. One, uh, one scripture I love, just on my identity. You know, when Jesus was about to launch his ministry... He comes to John the Baptist, right, to get baptized. And, and, and John puts Jesus under the water, and Jesus comes up. And what happened? Just something so amazing. Renee, can you stand up with me? Come on. Give Renee a hand. She's awesome. So just stand, just stand next to me. So Jesus comes up out of the water. He's baptized by John the Baptist, right? And it's so cool. The Father, the Father speaks, prophesies, declares over Jesus, this is my son. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Before Jesus did one miracle, before he preached one message, the father said, I'm proud of you. I believe in you. You're my son in whom I'm pleased with. It's not about performance. He's crazy about you because of who you are, not because of what you do. Your, your, your picture is on his fridge because you're his son. You're his daughter. That's who you are. So, so the father proclaims over Jesus, you're my son, and I'm crazy about you. And then what's awesome is the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you're going to be Holy Spirit for me, okay? Because I want to hold your hand. I want to hold your, okay, anyway. Uh, so Holy Spirit comes upon him, and from that point on, he's anointed. Acts 10.38, how God, Father God, anointed Jesus with who? Holy Spirit and with power. That word anointed, everyone say anointed. That word anointed means smeared. He was smeared with the presence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon him. Jesus, people, a lot of people don't realize this. He didn't do one miracle until the Holy Spirit came upon him. He didn't. He trusted. He couldn't. 
Because if he was to be our example and show us, the Bible says, as he is, so are we in this world. And to walk as Jesus walked. If we're to walk as Jesus walked, he had to give us something we could follow. And that's why when, when in his ministry, he talked so much about the Holy Spirit, especially when he knew he was about to, to die and, and die for our sins and, and, and go back up to heaven with the Father and, and raise from the dead. He talked a lot about the Holy Spirit, saying the Holy Spirit's going to come. Don't worry, it's better that I go away so the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He's the same Spirit that was with me. He's the same Spirit that I was anointed with, I was smeared with. He was my friend. He guided me. He directed me. That same Spirit's going to come upon you and he's going to be in you reminding you of who you are. And every time, remember when Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit, when he stretched out his hands, it was the anointing of the Holy Spirit that flowed through him. He was smeared, right? I'm sweating a little bit right now, so this is gross, but if I were to wipe my sweat on someone, I'd be smeared my sweat on you, right? That's kind of gross, that's a bad illustration. But anyway, when you're smeared with something, if I you know, put a dump a bottle of water and just start shaking my head, that, that water's gonna start getting all over the place, right? When you're smeared with something, he rubs off on, on other people. Jesus was smeared with the presence of the Holy Spirit. He trusted, he relied, he, he spoke, and the Holy Spirit spoke through him. And when we read about Jesus, we should be reading and seeing, man, this is how we're to walk. Jesus is our prime example. And we're to flow with the power of the Holy Spirit. I want, I, the reason I want to show this example because the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ is alive in you, right? When you lay hands on the sick, what did Paul say? I lean on the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Not my words, not my ability, but him. When you lay hands on the sick, start seeing this because you are to lay hands on the sick. That's who you are. You bring heaven to earth. When you lay hands on people, his goodness and his power, his arm is stretched out with you. It's not about you, it's his goodness flowing through you. Yes, yes, amen. Thanks, babe. Have a kiss. You're sweet. <laughs> I love that. Father God, just like he spoke over Jesus, you're my son in whom I'm well pleased. He speaks over you. You're my daughter. You're my son. You're my son. Right? You're my daughter. And I'm crazy about you. I'm pleased with you. I'm in a good mood. And your best days are yet to come. That's who you are, your sons, your daughters. Identity. Everyone say identity. identity. Do you know where the enemy attacks us? You know the number one thing he goes after, the liar? He goes after your identity. It's the number one thing. And we see this. Remember, Jesus, he gets baptized, he's anointed. Father God speaks, you're my son. Identity. You're my son in whom I'm well pleased. Right? He speaks identity and launches him into his ministry. What's the very first thing that happens? What happens after Jesus is anointed and after that prophetic word, you're my son, what happens next? Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness and after 40 days he's tempted by the liar. Right? For now on, just call him the liar. Don't call him the devil. Don't call him, the, uh, don't call him Satan. Just call him a liar because that's who he is. Start seeing him for what he is. He's a liar. So Jesus is tempted by the liar. Right? And what does the liar go after? He goes straight after Jesus' identity. Do you realize that? He goes straight after his identity. If you are the son of God, what was he doing? He was trying to get Jesus to question who he was. If you are the son of God, doesn't he do the same thing to us? If you are. Wait, you're a son. No, the liar will say, I know what you did this morning. Are you really a son or daughter of God? I know, I know your past. Really? You think you're a son? You're a daughter? Start recognizing he's a liar. Start recognizing the lies that come in your mind. And what do you do? What was Jesus' response? It is written. Here's what my dad says about me. Here's what my dad says. You're a liar. You're trying to keep me from my destiny. Here's what my father says. I'm his son and he's well pleased with me. I'm his boy. Right? Right, yes, good. The enemy does the same thing. He goes straight after our identity. You're one with Jesus. Of course, we're nothing without him, but with him, we can do all things through Christ, through Christ, who gives us strength. Thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph. Right? I think I have time. The enemy 
back in the garden, did the same thing with Adam and Eve. He went straight after their identity. Right? Hand me that, that crown, Ernie. So, the, so God, when he created Adam and Eve, he created them and, and, and he crowned them. He crowned them with his goodness. They were, they were naked, right? In the garden, they didn't have one iota of clothing on. They were butt naked. <laughs> Nothing on, right? But yet they didn't even know they were naked. Why? Because they were crowned with the glory of God. They weren't really naked. The presence of God was all over them. When Eve looked at Adam, she saw the glory of God. She saw Jesus. When Adam looked at Eve, she saw the, he saw the glory of God. They were, that's why I love what David says. There's another scripture you can read when you get home. Psalms chapter 8. I love it. David says, he's looking at all creation. He, he's looking at the moon and the stars. And he says, when I, when, I, when I consider, God, everything that you've made, all the majestic mountains and the endless glass sea, when I look at everything, I, I, I look at myself and I say, again, here it is again, who am I? Who am I? Why are you thinking about me? I love, David's having this revelation. He knows what he's done. He knows the bad things he did. I mean, he knows he's killed people. He's slept with people. And he's thinking in his mind, God, you're still thinking about me? I see the mountains. I see the endless stars. And you're thinking about me? After all I've done, you're thinking about me? And he says, you've crowned me. He says, you've crowned me, God, with dignity, with worth, with value. You look at me and you see value. <clears throat> even with all I've done. In the same way Adam and Eve, they looked at each other and they saw God. They were crowned with the glory of God. So that's the first thing we see, that they're crowned, they're made in the image of God, right? The second thing, God, God gives them authority. He actually, you got these keys right here, right? If I were to hand you these keys, let's just say, you know, this is, this is my Tesla, Okay. Not really, but we're, we're imagining. My, my daughter loves Teslas, so that's why I always think of Teslas now, because she loves, she loves Teslas. So this is my Tesla, okay? This is my mansion. And we'll say this one right here, even though it's a Chevy key. This one right here is my yacht, okay? So if I'm going to hand you all this, guess what? It belongs to you now, right? I give you my keys, I say, this is yours. So now that yacht, you can go cruising anytime you want, right? That mansion, you can have some parties, have some people over, Right? That car, you can go cruising in it. Right? That Tesla with the doors that just go, that's pretty cool, right? But I hand you the keys and it belongs to you, right? God actually handed the keys of the garden over to Adam and Eve. He said, all the animals, all these endless animals, you're going to name them all. They belong to you guys. You name them. It's all yours. All, everything on this earth, everything in this garden, it's under your feet. You have authority. You have authority. So he hands them all that, right? And the, the last thing we see, kind of my, I just love this. I try to pull this out anything. I'm a, I'm a Star Wars nerd, okay? Right, Dad? Star Wars, Star Wars is so much better than Star Trek, isn't it? <laughs> He's a Star Trek fan. I do like Star Trek too, but Star Wars is better. Let's be honest. But so the, the third thing you see is he gives Adam and Eve purpose. Everyone say purpose. And the lightsaber, that represents purpose. I love what, uh, what, what God says. He says in uh, Genesis 1, 28, he says, be fruitful, multiply, and, and subdue the earth. That word subdue means to force, to keep under, to bring into bondage, violate, dominate, tread down. Those are some pretty aggressive words, right? Dominate, take over. What's he saying? He was showing them there's, there's, there's an enemy. There's, there's, some, there's some forces out there. But he gave them purpose. What was their purpose? Be fruitful, multiply, so grow, right? Grow your family, grow it beyond the garden, and go and take over the rest of the earth. So I gave you authority, I gave you everything, and now go fill the earth with my glory. Isn't that cool? Like I never saw that before. He wanted them to expand the garden. He wanted them to bring heaven to earth. He wanted them to go in and take over the rest of the world. That was his purpose. His purpose for them was not to fail. So many times we think of that, that one tree in the midst of thousands of trees. There was one little tree he said, don't eat of, right? And it wasn't like he's just some crazy, mean God that wanted to trick them. But to really show love, he couldn't have robots. He had to give them a choice. 
there was only one tree that they weren't supposed to eat of. Only one tree. And I believe with all my heart that that tree didn't even look that good. It didn't even look as good as the other stuff. But what did the liar do? The liar, right? The liar, could the liar come in and grab the keys by force? Remember the authority. Could he come in and grab that, those keys by force? Could he strip their purpose from them by force? No, they had authority over him. They had authority. They had purpose. They were to take over. They were to expand the kingdom. He gave them everything they needed. But how did the liar trick them? Oh, God doesn't want you to eat this fruit. You want, you want to know why he doesn't want you to eat this fruit? You want to know why? Because the moment you eat this fruit, remember he goes straight after identity. We're talking about identity. The moment you eat this fruit, you'll be like God. They're already made in the image of God. He's such a liar. You just see the trick here. He was trying to question who they were. And he was saying, listen, what was the temptation? The temptation wasn't, ooh, this fruit looks so good. The temptation was, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God. In other words, you can have all this and you don't need God. You can have value. You can have authority. You can have purpose. And you can have it all to yourself. Right? He went after, they already had everything they needed in God. In God, they had value. In God, they were creating his image, right? But he lied to them. They fell for the lie. And what happened? They ate that fruit. And the moment they did, their eyes were open, right? And you just, you really see the, the heartbeat of God when he comes down to hang out with them. You know, sometimes people picture, you know, you know what, you know what God says? He says, Adam, Eve, where are you? Right? He's coming to hang out with them. Sometimes people picture him saying, Adam, Eve, what did you do? Where are you? I don't believe it was that at all. His heart was broke. <laughs> he said, what, where are you guys? Why does, he, why does God ever ask questions? Does he, is it that he doesn't know? No, he, he, gives us, he gives us an opportunity to come forward and to react. And what do they do? They hear his voice and, and they, they, they experience fear for the first time. They experience, they don't like themselves. They don't like how they look. They feel shame. They feel all these things they've never felt before because they went away from that covering. They tried to do it on their own. But Adam's response, and we'll close with this. Kurt, would you mind just playing the guitar as I, as I close? I'm closing it up right now, coming down for a landing. <clears throat> But he says, Adam, Eve, where, where are you guys? What have you guys done? And, and Adam says, Father, God, I heard your voice and I was afraid. So we hid. We hid. We tried to cover ourselves. We tried to make our own clothing. They tried to, they, they tried to make things whole on their own, which is called religion. Religion is trying to do things in your own works. They tried to do it on their own instead of running to God saying, God, forgive me, I messed up. Remember, repent, going back to how he sees you. So he said, I was afraid and I hid, we hid. We were naked. We knew we were naked, we saw ourselves, we knew we were naked. We didn't like what we saw, God. And you know what God says to them? When Adam says, I knew I was naked. God says something so profound. He says something so profound, just out of his mercy and love. He looks right at them and he says, who told you you were naked? Who told you you were naked? Who told you you weren't good enough? Who told you that you were ugly? Who told you? Can you guys just close your eyes just for a minute? We're gonna close with this. I feel so many times the enemy does the same thing. He comes after identity. He lies, tries to get, convince you. Remember, the Holy Spirit wants to convince you of truth and who you really are. The enemy wants to convince you of his lies. And he says the exact same thing to us. He goes right after our identity and he'll say things, who told you? God, he'll, 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 he'll say things like, you're, you're, you're messed up. You're, you're a mistake. You are a mistake. You're worthless. How could God ever love you? You've done this and you've done that. How could God really be pleased with you? He's not pleased with you. He's ticked off at you. He's, he's mad. He's mad at you. You're a screw up. 
You're not even supposed to be here. He tells us all these lies. But I want you to picture right now, just picture, picture Jesus. <laughs> picture him right now. Oh, he is so crazy about you. He loves you so much. I want you to picture his love as he looks at you. And he says what he said to Adam. He says, who told you you weren't good enough? Who told you you were a mistake? Who told you you have no purpose? Who told you you were ugly? Who told you that you weren't worth it? Who told you? Just picture Jesus and his love. Who told you these lies? And he knows, remember, he's not asking this question because he's wondering, he, he knows. But he wants you to think about that. Who told you? Was it me? Am I the one that condemns? No, I, I'm the one that brings life. I don't come to steal, kill, and destroy. I come to give life, and I believe in you. I didn't tell you you were ugly. I didn't tell you you were worthless. I didn't tell you you were a mistake. The liar did. And I say right now, you are destined for greatness. You are called to do amazing things. I believe God would say over you right now, you're my son, you're my daughter, and I'm well pleased with you. He says, forget about what you did this morning. Forget about what you did this week. It's time to repent. It's time to change your mind, to come back to how I see you and I'm crazy about you. I believed in you. When you were stuck in sin, Jesus says, I died for you. I took your place. I took your place. I love you so much. Just take a second. Because I believe God's speaking to you right now. I want you to picture right now Jesus sitting right next to you. And just listen, what's he saying? As he's right next to you, what is he saying about you? What are the thoughts that come into your mind right now? What are you imagining when you say, God, what do you think about me? Ask him right now, ask him, what do you think about me, God? Just take a second and do that. Do you guys hear him? What's he saying to you? Do you feel his presence? He is speaking life over you right now. He's speaking life over you right now. He believes in you. He believes in you. And your best days are yet to come. Thank you, God. Thank you for what you're doing today. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you love us. You're crazy about us. You're thinking about us. We just love you so much. Thank you, God. We love you because you first loved us. We're on fire for you, God, because you're on fire for us. He's saying right now, change your mind. <laughs> Start seeing yourself the way I see you. It'll change everything. When you see yourself, your true identity, the real you will start coming out. The real you, you'll live and do what you're called to do when you really see who you are in me. God, we just thank you. Thank you for this time. Thank you for your love. We love you so much. We thank you for what you're going to do this week in each of our lives, God. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.